Hey ladies and gents and welcome to episode 7 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything going on in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. What is up, dudes? And Dominic. Good afternoon, Jared. So, we're going to be getting straight into the news, guys. The first story comes by way of Jason Schreier over at Kotaku. If you didn't hear, Blizzard was hit with multiple DDoS attacks. Um, They're never a good thing for any company to have to endure. If you have a Blizzard account, make sure you set your reset your password just in case any security breaches happened. But Jason Trier writes, Players couldn't log into games like World of Warcraft and Diablo 3 for several hours last night thanks to a series of DDoS attacks that flooded Blizzard servers. The developer said, uh, Blizzard says they've since thwarted the problem, though some login issues could linger this morning. DDoS, which stands for Distributed Denial of Service, refers to an intentional torrent of traffic that's designed to cripple a company's servers. I'm not going to go into the rest of that definition, but uh, Blizzard had a a statement stating, These attacks are just flooding our internet tubes. No actual account information, payment information, or character data is at risk, said Blizzard support agent Glaxigrav. I guess that's his code name. Um, Even though he says this, personally, I suggest you guys go and reset your passwords and get all that stuff set because a lot of times these companies think that things weren't accessed when in reality something can happen a couple of months from now where everybody's information got out. So just for your safety, whether or not the information did get out, I highly suggest resetting your passwords just for your safety. What are you guys' thoughts on this crazy DDoS attack that Blizzard had to endure? Well, for one, I think that's good advice, Jared. It's really not even a bad idea to just reset your passwords every now and then anyways. So No matter what, yep. Yeah, um, it's... I've been thinking about this uh, these past couple of years with all these attacks happening, especially like the Christmas attacks on uh, both PlayStation and Xbox. Um, are they ever going to figure out a way to stop these? I get the fact that, you know, it's kind of just like a traffic jam um, via the internet, but it's almost like I feel as though they could uh, see what, you know, if they were monitoring the, the system, they could see what's happening and then, shut down certain channels to keep them from coming through. I don't know. It's just these are starting to happen often enough. I'm wondering if people start figuring out, figuring out ways to stop them. It's, it's, it's crazy to me that these hackers or whoever it is that basically they're outsmarting these giant companies. Oh, yeah. Like every time, you know, each time the company learns, whoever it is, you know, how to prevent that, to get that same type of thing. Yeah. Then a couple of months later, there's a, you know, a new vulnerability is found somehow. And they do it with such a primitive style too. I think it's a preventative thing, right? So like being able to pay these guys to prevent these kind of attacks, like getting people to, you know, make an infrastructure that's a lot safer and secure costs money. And then a lot of times these companies are instead of, you know, what's the worst that can happen. And they don't, they don't take those kind of measures to get that kind of security. And then once something happens, then they do the whole hindsight thing of then they pay for the added security and fixing, you know? Yeah. It's like when you go to like a cheap like convenience store and they get robbed and you're like, oh, of course you got robbed. You didn't have any security cameras. Then from that point on, guess what they have installed? Security cameras. It's kind of (laughs) like they try to save money to the point where they have to spend money. Uh, I agree with you. These attacks have been happening way too frequent. It's crazy that somebody like Blizzard was attacked. Um, I I mean, nobody's um, safe, but... Blizzard is a big enough company that you would assume that they'd have some kind of safety measures in place, especially with their whole, like, Battle.net system. Like, you know, people access that system specifically to launch games, and when these kind of things happen, it takes down everything. It's kind of like 
um, nowadays, if you don't have your console set to, uh, for Xbox, anyways, if you don't have your console set to be your home console, if some kind of infrastructure goes down or your internet uh, personally goes down, you can't play any of your games. Um, so, these, especially in a day and age where everything's online, these attacks need to be uh, reduced, uh, you know, greatly in order for uh, you know everything to move forward. I think. Well, even more so for PlayStation. I was just thinking about that before you brought it up with Xbox about the home console thing and being able to play offline with digital games. But on PlayStation, even if it is your primary console and, um, you know, if you if you turn your PlayStation on without ever having it hooked up um, at the time, then you're not going to be able to play your downloaded digital games um, because it has to authenticate with the server every time you try to get into these digital files. So... There's not even a solution on PlayStation, and I know uh, I'm all digital on my PS4 and Vita, so if I don't have internet, then I'm basically screwed. I think, especially since we're in a day and age where everything is going digital, this needs to be a huge concern. Um, Jordan, so apparently there's a setting that mm-hmm. you can go in and manipulate okay. and basically make that not an issue. Um, so that's there. So there is a way to turn that off, I've heard recently. Okay, let's talk about that later. I need to know. Yeah. So our next story is about Stardew Valley, the uh, everybody's favorite game on PC. People are flocking to this game; they love it. It's drawn comparisons to you know Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing and all these games people love. It actually um, sold a million copies. The story comes over from Game Informer via Javi Gwaltney. Hundred percent saying his name wrong, um, and it's surprising that this game sold a million copies. People love this game. Uh, I wasn't sure if this was a game that was going to sell very well. I thought it was going to be a game that people loved but necessarily maybe didn't get commercial success. Um, I don't know how well Undertale sold, but people loved that game as well. Um, So basically what he states is if there's one thing the last two months has taught people – if there's one thing the last two months has taught, people love farming. Tangled with town folk and fishing, okay, maybe not so much that last part. A lot of them apparently since publisher Chucklefish Games just reportedly confirmed to Polygon in an email that Stardew Valley has sold over 1 million copy, uh, copies since its launch in, on February 26th. According to the email, the exact number is 1,007,000. Though the game is PC exclusive right now, Creator Eric Barone revealed to us a while back that he wanted Stardew Valley on consoles as soon as possible. So, it seems like they're taking the Minecraft approach. Um, you know, a game sells really well on PC, obviously has a huge thought share. If you put it on consoles, it's probably going to sell just as well. Um, this seems like a game that'll sell very well. It's very accessible. It's very kid-friendly, which also helps with sales. I could definitely see this game. I Nothing will ever reach Minecraft numbers uh, it, the same way, but... I definitely think this game is going to be a success on consoles. I'm really intrigued because this game has caught my attention. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think this game can match its numbers when it releases on consoles? Are you surprised it hit a million copies, period? Yeah, I, that's a huge surprise. Um, I mean, I knew everyone loved it, but a million is pretty solid just on PC, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, it, it has potential to blow up on consoles, I think. And this is sold. There yeah. are plenty of people who have pirated this game, you know. Just right, how the sure. industry is. This is sold. So the one thing I, I I definitely want to shout out is the fact that the company's called Chucklefish. I really like that. <laughs> right, and, that's um, awesome. And then other than that, I've just been ever since this game came out all over the internet. People have been talking about it, making videos about it, playing it, loving it. So yeah, it's a definitely a success story. I like to hear that. Jordan, imagine if this was on Vita. 
I could cool. do that. See, like I've been looking at it and I've been saying it looks all right, but it's not necessarily what I want. But that is what I want on Vita. That would be awesome. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. You know, um, I think definitely. I think it could thrive on mobile platforms. I it will sell on consoles and people will play it. But it seems like a game that's digestible enough in short spurts that it it beckons mobile, right? Yeah. Um, I would love to see this thing on 3DS in its vast library. I would love to see it on Vita as well. Um, it's just cool, you know, when people make awesome games, the more people it can reach, the better, right? If you know, There's plenty of people who don't have gaming PCs or PC that see this game and they're like, oh, I would love to play that game. I love playing Harvest Moon on my GameCube that only three other people owned. Like, I right. loved, you know, I love these type of games. And now that it's going to be coming to consoles, hopefully uh, more people will be able to play this game that millions or a million people loved, so... Now we're getting deep into the E3 news as far as conferences being announced. We have two conferences being announced and some leaks. So the first uh, press conference reveal is from IGN, and it comes from Chloe Rad, and she basically talks about how Microsoft's announced their E3 press conference times. No surprise, they're taking one of the earliest times. Uh, on Monday, June 13th, they're going to be having their presentation at 9.30 Pacific time, uh, 12.30 Eastern time. So a nice little lunch there for you guys on the East Coast to be able to enjoy this announcement. Um, not too surprising. They have a lot of announcements. Uh, I'm interested to see what exactly is going to be for their press conference um, because you know a lot of these individual companies are having their own press conferences. So it's kind of interesting what they're going to show. Um, they have their exclusives like ReCore, Crackdown 3, Halo Wars 2. Um are you guys excited for those games? I know neither of you guys... Well, Jordan, you own an Xbox One, but you guys are more PlayStation guys. Are you interested to see what Microsoft has to show this year at E3? Uh, I think I think there's something we don't know about. I mean, we already have PSVR announced. Um, probably NX is going to be announced at this time. Where does that leave Microsoft? I mean, obviously, they'll have plenty of games to show, but I think there's something hardware-wise that Microsoft is going to pull out of their back pocket that no one's going to see coming. I have no idea what it is, um, I don't think I don't think they're going to have their own VR headset or anything like that. But it works. They have Hololens, but I think they learned last year that just showing Hololens and then letting it be until it actually is viable for commercial use. I think I don't think that will be there. Um, it'll be there in some capacity, obviously, but I don't think it's going to be a conference hit. And if anything, it's going to be a a murmur, like a little five minute kind of thing. I do agree with you that there might be something that we don't know about. Phil Spencer said they're not doing the Xbox One and a half. Um, I, I agree with you, though. It's, it seems like in a year where we're going to be having potentially the PS4K announced, obviously PSVR, and then the NX, unless they take the route of all games, like, you know, that's what people want. That's what people shit on Microsoft for is they didn't talk about games enough. Do you think they'll just be games, 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 Jordan? Do you think that's going to be their pitch? Do you think they're even going to have hardware? Well, I definitely think we're going to get a lot of Gears 4 at E3 from them. Yep. yep. Um, that's going to be their big uh, point. But other than that, I hope we see more of ReCore. I hope we see more of the Platinum. What's the Platinum exclusive that they've got? Oh, uh, Scalebound? Scalebound, yes, which has been delayed till next year, but I still think we should at least see it at the C3. Um, yeah, I definitely think there's something that we don't know about because ReCore is probably not coming out this year. Scalebound's not coming out this year. Um, <laughs> Halo Wars 2 might come out this year. Yeah, that'll be something big at their conference. But then, you know, like last year, Fable Legends was there. And that's obviously not going to be a thing this year. So, <laughs> Rest in peace. 
Yeah, there. I think Microsoft's going to have some some stuff that that we don't know anything about. Phantom Dust is another one that that would have been there that isn't going to be there this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you know, Microsoft has. Well, they'll probably have something up their sleeve. All these companies do. Another company, and this comes of, uh, ga- uh, by way of GameStop from Tumor Hussein. Uh, definitely saying that name wrong again. Uh, Ubisoft has announced their E3 press conference, and it'll be taking place at 12:30 uh, p.m. Pacific time. So. Three hours after the Microsoft uh, press conference, uh, you know, there's not going to be any Assassin's Creed this year. There's going to be, you know, rumors of obviously Watch Dogs 2 and stuff like that. Um, Tom Clancy's Wildlands. There might be something with The Division, some kind of substantial DLC. I don't know. Uh, Also, uh, South Park, The Fractured But Whole. Um, Greatest (laughs) name. And a game that I've forgot about the last couple of episodes we've been talking about, Ubisoft, For Honor. The, the sword oh, yeah. fighting game, which looks beautiful. Um, so they, they have, you know, Monday, June 13th, 1230. They have the save the date. What are you guys most looking ex- looking forward to with Ubisoft? I know there's not going to be an Assassin's Creed game this year, sadly. Uh, Jordan, I know that really breaks your heart. Yeah. But, you know, what else are you guys looking forward to? Do you guys think they'll have, like, their Ubisoft indie art kind of game? Their Ubi art games? Well, now, the whole Assassin's Creed thing, if it wasn't, the Assassin's Creed franchise. We know it's not coming out this year, probably next fall. But, you know, if that was like a new Far Cry game and it wasn't coming out this year, they would probably still talk about it at E3, they right? They might show something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess I was wrong in saying there won't be anything. There will definitely be well, a no, teaser. I think I don't think you're necessarily wrong because, you know, they may not want to take up time with Assassin's Creed if that's not even coming out this year and they have games coming out this year that they could show. But, you know, for most, uh, publishers, I would say, Oh, well, we've got this game coming out next fall. Let's show it at this E3. So I think it's kind of just a a weird situation with the whole Assassin's Creed deal. It could go either way, I guess. Uh, real quick. I think, but does this change the landscape of these announcements, um, with the way they handled fallout four, I think that they saw, the, the fervor that people had for a game being announced and being launched the same year, a couple of months later. Yeah. Like, I think they noticed that people are getting tired of this, oh, yeah, that's the game I saw two years ago, um, Watch Dogs. Uh, yeah. I think that people definitely just want to see stuff and then play stuff. And I think a lot of these companies are starting to realize that. And they, they, they're coming to terms with, we don't have to show everything. We can show the things that are coming soon. And when we want to show the things that are coming out sooner, then we can show them then. I think... You know, I think Bethesda did a huge thing to change the landscape of these announcements. Um, sorry, though, what were we going to say, Dom? Um, <clears throat> no, I think you're right. I think um, I think that's the route they're going to go with Watch Dogs 2. I mean, we've said it before. And that being said, they're going to jam it down our throats at this E3, right? Because they're, they're going to mm-hmm. want to make up as much of a missed you know, marketing time they, they would have had if they announced it earlier. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, there's, if that's happening and it's happening this fall, then there's going to be a ton of... Of Watch Dogs too, and it'll yeah, it'll probably be playable, and they'll have demos, and I, I would imagine that's how that's gonna go. Um, personally, though, I'm I'm most excited for something from South Park. Uh, Stick of Truth was awesome, and it was hilarious, and just you saying, um, the Fractured title of this new, exactly, just you saying the title made me chuckle. So I, I'm pumped for that. I think in order from one, two, three, I think the biggest things will be Watch Dogs two, then. Uh, for honor than 
South Park, and then after that, you know, you'll have like Division DLC and stuff like yep. that. Well, people are sleeping on this the Ghost Recon game, Wildlands. Yeah, um, that's true. I keep forgetting about that because that's another thing you were talking about, like uh, when games are mentioned at E3 and then you don't see them for two years. That's kind of you know this Ghost Recon game is kind of like that where. Last year we see it at E3, like this uh, CG trailer, and then they just don't say anything for the entire next year. Yeah, I think that it looked cool. As a CG trailer, it looked cool. I still don't know what it is. It's Ghost Recon, so it's going to have an audience, obviously. It's Tom Clancy, so it's going to have an audience. I just want to know what the whole Wildlands thing is. I love the games like Destiny and Division. Like I've spent numerous like hours in Division, and I love those games. But it's, I don't want it to get oversaturated because it's enough time sinking time into those games to get anything good. I just don't want this to be a trend where it's these games you have to pour so much time into. And it's not from a point of like Fallout 4 of getting more and more of an ex- a solid experience. It's I need to play to level up to get this gear so I can fight this thing so I can do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. A breadcrumb of, of, of stuff. And um, I hope it's more of like the old Ghost Recon games. Uh, but we'll see. Ubisoft, they make a lot of good games. Um, recently they've made a lot of good games that actually work at release, which is good. Um, <laughs> I, I think we'll see some kind of like Mass Effect Andromeda-esque thing where it's maybe an image. Maybe we get a title. Maybe we get a picture of the the, the main protagonist. Not his face, obviously, but like his assassin getup. It'll be, it might be something super minimal um, where it's enough of a tease. Uh, but I like we stated, I don't know if necessarily that's something they want to do with the way audiences are, are changing the way they want these announcements to be made. The last thing uh, is with Nintendo's announcements this year, it came uh, by way of the no over on YouTube from a couple of sources. Um, you can find them all over the internet through Reddit and Twitter. Um, basically, a confirmed source has come out and said, and she's been right about a lot of other things with Nintendo, that the NX launch lineup will be... Um, the Legend of Zelda, it'll be a port of Smash. Those are, conf- she says, those are definitive. Those are 100% going to be two of the launch titles. There's uh, two other games that are going to be in the launch window. They could be launch titles, but depending on how fast they're ported over, uh, they could be a launch window games. And that is uh, Super Mario Maker and Splatoon. Who Splatoon is uh, Splatoon sold over a million copies, right? Um, I believe it did. Uh, it's one of the better selling games on that system, and uh, you know. So it's basically going to be port the launch. I, obviously, there's going to be some other titles that we don't know about that are going to be, you know, NX exclusives. But it seems like a lot of these, or majority of these launch games are going to be ports. How do you guys feel about this? How do you think the Nintendo fans who bought the Wii U and having to give into this new console are going to feel that a lot of the games that launch are just going to be ports of games they already own? Well, and I mentioned this last week talking about, or two weeks ago talking about, uh, even if it is only 10 million people that have Wii U's, they're still going to feel burned when the NX comes out and this console's only been around for three or four years and they have to buy all new, a whole new console, all new games, or, you know, remastered version of the games they just bought for Wii U. They got to buy all new accessories and all this stuff. It's like, man, those people are going to be pissed. And those are the people that were the hardest of hardcore Nintendo fans. Yeah. Uh, Dom, you had a point about um, the game; these games being ported over that it could give indication as to the NX's um, controller and stuff like that? Right, so assuming Mario Maker and uh, Splatoon, now that I think about it, um, I guess Splatoon could function with a regular controller, though. But Mario Maker, for sure, 
if that's ported over, that kind of confirms that there's going to be some sort of touch input on their controller, right? Yeah. Otherwise, that game doesn't really work the way it's intended. Well, so another rumor in this actual video is talking about, you know, the whole thing people are speculating that this works in, in congruence with a mobile device. Um, the rumor is that people have been thinking about this as being the controller that comes with the console. And they're thinking that maybe this isn't the case because Nintendo has gone so fully into the mobile realm that your phone will work with your console. Kind of like a Bluetooth-esque kind of way. And they're saying that it could possibly just have a good controller, normal controller, and that the touch input functions that could work with your console could be via your cell phone, your smartphone that you have. So it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, it doesn't get in the way of gamers who want to game normally. From this source, they were talking about third-party um, third ports. And uh, I guess in the works, apparently, are a lot of these companies are porting over games to the NX, and a lot of them can come as early as 2017. Obviously, that's a little bit out, but if the if the NX launches at the end of 2016, it's going to only be a couple of months, three to four months maybe, of some games coming out and being ported over. The fact that there's a rumor, if this rumor is true, that people are porting over games and there's going to be a third-party uh, library, that means that Nintendo's moving in a better direction. They actually... Um, from this report as well, they changed their, um, I don't know the exact wording, basically the way the games are coded and everything, and their the way the system was built, Nintendo always has an issue with third-party people uh, porting games, right? Because it, it just doesn't work, I guess, the way the consoles are built. Um, now I guess they're using um, something that both the Xbox and the PlayStation use, so it's making porting 100% easier. Um, it's making it uh, you know easier on everyone involved. What do you guys think about this NX supposedly getting huge third-party support? Do you think it'll help it? Well, yeah, it absolutely needs it, right? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, if they launch another Wii U, then what's the point? I mean, yeah, they need the third-party support, absolutely. Um, if, like, from the start of this generation, the Wii U had that, and and the Wii U is at least a little bit more powerful. It wouldn't like, necessarily have to be on par with Xbox and PlayStation, but think about what that library would look like with your NX or your Nintendo exclusives and all the third-party games. I mean... To me, if that were the case, then for me personally, that would be the console I'd want to be at. The exclusives alone on Xbox and PlayStation don't stack up to the exclusives on Nintendo. For me, anyway. Yeah, um, and that's barring that they have a normal controller, right, that like works and functions? Right, right. Yeah. Of course. What are your thoughts, Jordan, on this whole thing? They need the third-party support. They had that with Wii, especially, and even a little bit with Wii U, but like you said, they were... You know, the games had to be ported over and made a little bit different. So, you know, like uh, versions of Madden on the Wii were different than versions of Madden on the 360 or PS3, things like that. Um, and now they can just be the game that they already are on a different console. Yeah, which one-to-one, is, one, not having to change it drastically. Like Right. Yeah. Like the, the uh, whatever special edition of... Uh, Batman Arkham City and stuff like that where it just like you said wasn't one to one um, but like I've mentioned before man uh, these Nintendo NX rumors are just starting to kill that console and Nintendo I know they're just waiting around for E3 but I'm thinking that's almost going to be too late because all these rumors are just floating around in people's heads and eventually it's just going to get to the point where no matter what they do is not going to be good enough and they need to control the message now and they're yep. not and it's i think they're shooting themselves in the foot i so if this is if these games are so 
I doubt it'll only launch with two games, but say Mario Maker and uh, Splatoon are launch window, not launch games, and it just launches with Smash and Legend of Zelda. As much as I love Smash and as much as I love Zelda, that doesn't constitute me buying another console. And honestly, at this point, I don't know what they would have to announce for me to want to buy another console. It had to be something crazy. Um, I don't know. It just... These these rumors, like you said, are going on and on and on. And I think there comes a point if a lot of these rumors are true, you have to control that message. Instead of waiting for your Nintendo Direct, you know, get on the ball and say, hey, we have to make a Nintendo Direct this week or next week. We can't wait two months. We can't wait a month, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm sure uh, Reggie and those guys see this stuff and they're like, it, this is all obviously if this is, stuff is true. They're like, you know, these people are hearing out uh, hearing about this stuff from other people. And they're they're basically when you hear about something from a from somebody else instead of hearing from the source directly, the story is going to be different. And even if it's the same story, every all the facts are correct. The way you word it means everything, right? So I'm pretty sure Nintendo has a way of wording this, which can make it seem a lot better than a random source on Twitter. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this all this stuff is true that we hear about a direct happening soon if Nintendo's smart, and we don't know if they're going to be so. You know, this know. just goes back, though, to last year when they decided to make the announcement of the NX without telling you anything about it. And my God, if that wasn't one of the stupidest decisions they've made in the last 10 years, like, we're working on another console, go talk about it amongst yourselves and make up all these huge expectations inside of your head. Um, we have no information on it for you right now, so just keep guessing until you get the announcement in a year and a half, like... But is that is that worse than no one talking about Nintendo at all and then being irrelevant as the Wii U fades away and games? You know what I mean? Maybe, but I don't. I think they could have just come out with a bang this year and said, you know what, we screwed up with the Wii U, but we got your game console that you want to play with a real controller right here, baby. But no, they're like, just tell you that it exists and then allow you to figure it out on your own and look at all these, you know, like patents and rumors from the industry and developers and uh, it's just right now it's a mess and they haven't even they haven't even showed you you don't know anything about it and it's already a mess so so before we get in too bad of a mood and before we jump into the other topic let's talk about what we've been playing this week um i have been playing dead space finally it's about damn time i'm uh through chapter three which is you're getting right past the hospital wing and stuff like that um, it's actually going to be my topic later on in the show. I've been, uh, been playing Division, been grinding in that a little bit with my friends, uh, and I've been playing Smite as always. Uh, I've got uh, all eight gym badges in Pokemon Yellow. Awesome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Did and, you get that uh, Abra? Uh, yeah, yeah. I ended up nice. catching it and getting my Mew. Took me a little bit, but I actually just did what you said, and I just went and bought a bunch of Pokeballs and just threw it until I caught one. It works. Um, yeah, so Dead Space was fantastic. Just been really chill. Been watching uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Daredevil, uh, season one. I want to get to season two. And, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a, a labor of uh, anxiety and stuff getting through the first season just to get to Punisher. But first season's pretty good. I like it. Uh, what about you guys? What have you guys been playing? Well, I have actually not been playing much. Uh, like I said last week, I played a ton of games the week before last. Um and a little bit of everything, but uh, also my topic later on is going to be Battleborn Beta, which I've played a little bit of that, uh, messed around with several different characters, so we'll get into that later. Um, other than that, I really haven't played this week, like I said. Uh, 
just been doing other stuff, I guess. Um, what have I watched, though? Um, right now I'm watching Banshee. Have you guys ever heard of Banshee on Cinemax? Nah. Nope. That's a really cool show. It's about this guy who uh, gets out of jail and goes to this town called Banshee in Pennsylvania and um, ends up watching this uh, new sheriff that just rolled into town get murdered and then decides to take over the persona of that sheriff and become the sheriff of this this town. Hmm, um, and he he totally does it in like like a vigilante wild west fashion like um since it's a small town he kind of just has his own rules of law and does things the way he pleases and beats the crap out of criminals and stuff so been watching that that's a that's a recommendation for me cuz I like that show a lot. Awesome. What about you, Dumb? What have you been playing? Well, I'll tell you what, Jared. <clears throat> it is that time of year, April. Uh-oh. It's time for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, my friend, <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings are in a critical matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, game one didn't go so well for my boys, but we're going to bounce back in game two tomorrow night. Um, other than hockey, um, I finally uh, finally am able to get back into Dark Souls um, in the vein of Dark Souls 3. Yippee. Which just came out this week, so... Um, that's going to be my talk topic later in this show, so we'll get into a little more detail about it then. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. So, that's what we've been playing this week. Uh, Jordan, you mentioned you've been playing the Battleborn Beta. I have as well. Uh, what exactly is your topic? So, yeah, the Battleborn Beta is my topic. Kind of just, I guess, we can talk about our experiences with it, uh, Jared, but also um, all three of our excitement levels with the game, if we're interested in it at all. Um yeah, so my first impressions uh, played a couple hours total of it and uh, split that time between four different characters. Um, started with Oscar Mike, who's kind of just the standard military guy, and that's pretty much the closest thing to kind of just like playing Borderlands um, since they're the same developer. Um, then after that, I switched to Miko, which is like the mushroom head with the throwing knives. The healer, um, yep. Yeah, and he, he has healing powers, yes. And then after that, I did... Um, crap, what's her name? It's the witch with four arms. Um, it, it doesn't even matter what her name is, but she's got... <laughs> uh, she's pretty cool. She does, you know, obviously magic powers and has four arms, so she kind of has, like... She's, like, throwing magic powers at people pretty quickly. Um, and then finally I played with Thorn, who is the huntress with the bow and arrow. Um, and I like, I like the characters. I'd say my least favorite was Miko just because, um, it, it wasn't really suiting my fancy and in the knives, I didn't think you could throw them fast enough to really like get in a groove. Um, and then my favorite was probably Thorn, even though, uh, she's kind of rough in, uh, like really close combat situations um, because of the the trying to pull the bow back and shoot. Um, she is great for long range to medium range and uh, you can shoot the bow like really quick or you can like charge it up and, and you know, get more power out of it. Um, as far as just the gameplay goes, it does 
you know, it has echoes of Borderlands, but it's not just like a copy or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't say I've had enough to know whether like I really like the game. Wouldn't say I've played enough to know that or not. But uh, it's an enjoyable experience, and to me, I think it's going to come out in the Metacritics in like the high eights, high eighties. And for me, I think I'm interested in it and I want to play it, but I'm not going to be there day one. It'll probably be. I'll probably wait until it's like you know on sale for thirty or forty bucks, something like that. So, so I think we came at this in two different directions. Um, not only that you play on PS4 and I play on Xbox, but I have probably the biggest MOBA experience out of all three of us. Right? By no means I'm an expert, but I think I play MOBAs a lot more than either of you do, if at all. Um, so the way I came into this game was one, I wanted to see if the characters were good. Like so the whole point of like a MOBA style game is that there's a character for every playstyle, and that kind of lends to you yeah. saying you didn't really like. Miko, he wasn't your playstyle, and you liked other characters. Um, Thorn is the the generic ADC character, and there's nothing wrong with that. In Smite, it's Neath. Um, like, there's just these characters that are easy for newer players to get in and use, and they're fun and they're good. Obviously, like you said, she's a hunter, so she's obviously not great at short range. Um, that's what melee characters are for. So the whole fact that they have different you know characters with different playstyles is great. It definitely hits the mobile player's kind of mentality when they g- jump into these type of games. Um, I had a couple of things I didn't like about the game. I'll get into what I liked first. Uh, uh, Jordan, do you have a chance to play the story, the story mission? Yeah, so that's ex- that's the only thing I did. I wasn't playing online or playing okay. co-op or anything just because I played offline story because I figured that's like what I'm going to be playing when I play the game. Uh, yeah. That's how I play Borderlands is by myself, uh, offline, you know, type of thing. So yeah, um, I didn't even touch online or anything. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, so for me personally, I think that that's the only way this game is going to succeed is if it gets, you know, a strong online presence. The story was cool. I liked it. Um, they have really good voice acting. Um, a couple of the characters are actually voiced by the guy who voiced Piccolo and a lot of other characters that you'd know. I forgot his name, but he's done, he's done plenty of voice work. You'll recognize him when you hear his voice in that game. Um, the story was cool. I don't think it was anything like... Substantial was I was it's what I was expecting. It's in the Borderlands style esque thing where it's like, you know, a story, but there's a lot of comedy in it. Um, as far as the multiplayer goes, it was solid. Um, it ran smooth. Uh, the yeah. game modes were kind of lackluster. They were um, so the two game modes they have in that are uh, basically an objective based game where you have a line of objectives and you have minions coming out and you have to slowly make your way to their side of the map. It's kind of like a give and take relationship. Um, and the other one is where you have to get minions to their side of the map uh, slowly over the course of time. So they're essentially the same thing, but not really. Uh, one's kind of like Arena and Smite. Uh, the other one's a little bit more conquesty or um, uh, League of Legends-esque. Uh, my problem with the game, I have a couple issues with it, is one, I don't think it necessarily fits the... I don't think their pricing is appropriate for the kind of genre they're getting into. I think they're still looking at this as a Borderlands-esque type of game. And when you talk about Borderlands, you talk about the story and playing with your friends or playing by yourself, right? It's all about the story. Um, the, the multiplayer is cool and everything, but it's uh, it's co-op multiplayer. It's not really against each other. With this, the $60 price point doesn't make sense to me as it being the only price avenue for it. A lot of other MOBA-esque type games, they have a free-to-play entry level where people can get in. There's only a very limited amount of things you can do in characters, but it lets people get a feel for the game. Kind of like a beta. Um, the thing is, is 
if it's only going to have a $60 price point and not have a free-to-play entry level, I don't think it might not succeed necessarily. Um, I disagree with you that it'll it'll come out with high 8s or 8s in general. I think it's going to be a very average scored game. There's nothing hmm. here that constitutes it being special in the mobile realm. A lot of these games are coming out and they're kind of all re- relatively the same. You have to have something either special or way to build community, right? Uh, you can't build community if you have a $60 entry point. A lot of other mobiles have free to play, which means that building a community is a lot easier. Uh, yeah, but see, I don't even... You're definitely looking at it as a MOBA, and I'm definitely not. Like, I don't really see it that way. I don't think they're trying to market it that way. I don't think, like, the game structure is set up like that. I think it's not not necessarily open world. It's just, like, open level. But I think it's more of a Destiny Division type than it is a League of Legends or Dota type. I would definitely have to disagree with you on that point, simply for the fact that the way they market this game is all about the heroes in the game. And that's how you market a MOBA is all about these different characters you can choose. And there's a bunch of them. Just on the cover, there's like 40 yeah, of them. Think about Borderlands. I think that's just like the whole character thing. It's not even like a hero shooter or a MOBA. It's really just the character choices coming out of Borderlands where you had four characters with different powers and abilities and they felt different when you played. And here they're just trying to like open up that variety even more. I think it has MOBA elements but I don't know that that's what they're going for. I, I think this is completely multiplayer-centric. The fact that the, the story is the third option on the beta, the first two options are multiplayer. It's 5v5 combat. It's essentially MOBA. Like I, I understand that they're probably going to have a lot more solid of a story and more coherent of a story than any MOBA, really, and I think that'll definitely lend to the fact that it's going to have a lot more longe- uh, longevity, and it might justify the $60 price point. From a MOBA perspective, though, I don't see a lot of P- MOBA players getting involved in this. I think it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, Borderlands fans. And I think the multiplayer will die off super quick. I don't think it won't have uh, an esports scene at all. I just don't think that anybody who's willing to put in the time to get good at a multiplayer game is going to sacrifice it on this game. Especially with Overwatch coming out, which seems like a lot more polished of a multiplayer experience. I think this will sell as a story-driven game, but if they plan to make this like an esports thing or make it a, a MOBA thing, I don't think it's gonna. It'll, it'll, it won't sell. I don't think. Um, it just seems like they're trying to merge two different games, really. Yeah, that's definitely true. But I I see them going more the Borderlands route than the MOBA route. I they should switch their marketing for that then, because it seems like their well, marketing. They don't know says, how to market this game. That's, that's yeah. I I agree with you on long. that. They don't. The story was phenomenal. Love the story. All my negatives come from the multiplayer and it trying to be something it's not. And I think it's just trying to pull itself in two different directions. Um, Give us the outsider's perspective here, Dom. Y- yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think from what I've gathered here and recently, which is not much, but I think, yeah, it, it, it seems like it has an identity problem, right? Yeah. Um, so from what Jared's saying, it, it probably won't succeed as a MOBA. I mean that, you know, it's not going to steal a bunch of players from the MOBA. Like market, a MOBA-esque right? game, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and obviously with the price point, um they're not targeting the MOBA market because like you like you mentioned free to play is just the really one of the like, it seems like the best way to go to about build a community. Yeah. Right. Um but yeah, the marketing I've seen it kind of gives me the same MOBA sense, I guess, but it depends what they're trying to do with this and how they're going to, you know, how they measure success, you know? Maybe they won't have a ton of people playing multiplayer for very long, but if they sell enough copies at 60 bucks a pop, then 
you know, maybe they're just trying to like throw them both at the wall and see which sticks, I guess, too. Who knows? The problem with the marketing is like, so all the marketing is like mobile this, mobile that, mobile this, right? I haven't really seen anything about the story. The story is really cool. The story is funny. It's a Gearbox story. Like, it's a really funny story. My friends and I were playing, we were laughing, like genuine laughing out loud. And the multiplayer was second thought to me. Like, I honestly, they should change their marketing to make it about the story. The story is cool. Like, you learn lore about these characters, like the mushroom guy, Miko, about how, like, he got his head cut off and he grew it back and, like, he healed the guy and... Like, there's all of this really cool story stuff that a lot of people who think it's a multiplayer game aren't even going to care two shits about. It's the people who see this as a Gearbox game with a cool story and a good time, like Jordan sees it, that are going to enjoy this game. I think people who see it as a multiplayer game, and that's what the marketing is doing, they're going to get in, they're not going to like it, and they're going to get out. And it sucks because I think that it's a problem, it's an identity crisis, really, I think is what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah, and... It's uh, comparing this to Destiny might help because you know Destiny everyone wanted to call it an MMO, but like it was like Bungie wouldn't let you call it an MMO. They were yeah. just so against that, and I think that's how it is with uh, Battleborn and and Gearbox and either being a MOBA or a hero shooter. I think Gearbox is really trying to say no, no, no. That's not what this is because that isn't what it is. It's not. It's really not, like if you're a MOBA player and you just boot this game up without knowing much about it and start playing, you're probably not going to just fall in love with it. So nope. they're, they're definitely trying to go for the console players because um, I know you play Smite on consoles, Jared, but yeah, for the most part, like uh, MOBAs are played on PC, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and the reason that is is because a lot of them are top-down, click-based, like a league. Uh, Smite is third-person action, which gives it a hand to console gamers because you're used, to, especially Xbox gamers, you're used to the third-person perspective from your Gears of Wars and stuff. And this game's first-person and it looks beautiful. And like you said, I think that does lend a hand to it being a console game, like for console gamers. Yeah, I was gonna say, are there first-person MOBAs out there? Not that I can think of. No, a lot of them, like eighty percent of them, are click-based over the top. Um, right. There was another third-person one. I forgot what it was called, but it wasn't important because I forgot the name of it. Uh, this whole realm of like MOBAs, it's getting so oversaturated that you forget a lot of them. There's only a couple that remain, you know. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe it's not so much how Gearbox presents this game, but more how the audience accepts it. Does the audi- is the audience gonna buy this game and walk into it thinking they're getting kind of a Borderlands co-op multiplayer experience? Or are they expecting the MOBA experience and then being disappointed? It'll, I think, depend on the audience a lot. It's going to compete with two other games, too. Paragon, which which is strictly a MOBA. Game looks beautiful. That's also on PS4. And Overwatch. Like, Overwatch does everything this game tries to do multiplayer-wise and is better. 100%. Yeah, I, I I don't know that it's trying to beat Overwatch as much as people think it is. You know? Well, I, no, this is a whole this is a whole identity crisis. I don't necessarily think the Gearbox guys are trying to compete with Overwatch, but marketing makes it look like it is. It, marketing makes it look like it's a hero shooter, like it's a mobile-esque game. They need to market it more towards its story. Uh, that, 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 that's agree. a big issue here. It's not that it's trying to compete with them. It's that their marketing is stating that it's trying to compete with them. You have conflicting missions between the developer and the marketing team is what it I, seems like. I agree with that. Yeah, they needed to – they should have tightened that marketing up a while ago. And it could it have a more generic name? I understand, but like, especially with everything else around it, like Battlefront and Battleborn and stuff like that, uh, you know, Bloodborne, like it gets lost in everything. And 
a lot of people forget that this game was made by Gearbox, and they're a great studio that makes solid games. Speaking of that, just one quick point. I want to say, since this game has been... Uh, since they announced this game, I've been thinking something that's really hurting this game is the fact that it looks like a store brand Borderlands. Yeah. It feels like like a generic brand Borderlands that another company would have made. But really, it's the company that made Borderlands. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to do the same thing but different. Like, I, I agree with you. It seems like it's Borderlands watered down. Um it looks pretty. The other game that's going to be competing with this game is Gigantic, though I don't think it's competing by any means because I well, got into the... did that gi- game, like, get delayed and the studio shut down and stuff? Yeah. I played the beta, dude. This is this is partially vanilla when it comes to multiplayer. That game is, like, super vanilla. Completely uh, forgettable. Vanilla ice. It's The gameplay is not fun. It's just so... I played it for, like, 20 minutes, and I was like, okay, I've had enough. Mm. At least with Battleborn, I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm having fun. And that's to go to the point of like the multiplayer and everything. I was having fun. Um, the game was fun, and that's a huge factor in video games. Uh, I just think that they need to fix their their marketing. Really, uh, is it a MOBA thing? One of my complaints about the Battleborn beta was the fact that it just seemed like there was like too much going on. That's a MOBA thing. Like there was like <laughs> more than five different types of power ups that you're trying to pick up. There's credits to pick up. There's um, not only credits, but then there's also this other, like, the yellow currency that you rack the up. The shards? The shards. Like, there's just too much going on. Plus, you have, you know, your main attacks, then you have, like, your... Your secondary, your, your ultimate. Right, your power attacks, all these different things, yeah. So, funny that you say that. So, me and my friend both play Smite on the daily, and we went into this game, and since it's been marketed like a MOBAS game, we went in. It obviously plays like that multiplayer-wise, even single-player. I had no issues. I got in. I was dominating kids left and right, having fun. The problem is a lot of the kids I was playing against had no idea what they were doing yeah. because it's a MOBA-esque game. And if you, the problem with MOBAs is it's a steep hill for entry, and once you get in, you're hooked and you get good at it. Right. But it takes commitment, and that's another thing that can hurt this game because, like I said, if the MOBA scene and community doesn't attach this game, no other multiplayer community will. Because they're the only ones that will have the patience and the skill base to get good at this game and make it anything as far as multiplayer goes. They need to start marketing this as a single-player experience because it, yeah. I think that we've said that over and over. But <laughs> Well, good luck for Battleborn. Yeah, good luck. Much. The beta was fun, but we'll see what happens with it moving forward. Well, um, while you guys were busy clicking around with your MOBA-de-BOBA games... Um... Using the controller, we weren't clicking. <laughs> DualShock well, Four, baby. Th- this is the, uh, the the wrong impression or perception I have on MOBAs. That I, I I couldn't be more foreign to MOBAs. You know, maybe one day I should do a Colin Moriarty and play one game of League. Don't play League; it's awful. <laughs> Says Mister Smite. Man, the, that's the other no, thing the about problem. MOBAs. The problem with League is the community is very toxic, and that game. Real quick, I don't want to go into this topic too long. We've been talking forever. <laughs> The problem with League of Legends is it... So, what I've said about Smite is you can pay $35, you get every god in the game and every god in the future, right? I bought the game when there was 50 gods in the game and there's now 74. So, I've essentially gotten 24 free gods, quote-unquote, right? For 35 bucks. Awesome. Each god plays completely <laughs> free different... Free for 35 bucks. It's like you're well, you. let me explain. The way League of Legends does it, and League of Legends is way bigger and makes way more money than Smite. 
right? Smite is the third or fourth, I think, biggest esports uh, uh, video game. Obviously, League's one. Dota's two, I think. League of Legends doesn't have a way where you can buy all of the gods at once. Not yeah. a single way to do that. A la carte. They are the most microtransaction, money-hungry MOBA out there. Even Dota isn't as bad as they are. And it's interesting to me because they make the most money because they're the way they're thing. I don't know. I, it just rubbed me the whole the wrong way. I didn't like it. Um, I don't know. I just didn't like the way they they ran their whole thing. I think it's a vastly overrated game. I, I have a lot of issues Damn. with League of Legends. That could don't be a even, topic. So this don't is even I, mention <laughs> League in front of Jared. Yeah, that's this is exactly what I was going to say. Is I don't know anything about MOBAs, but I know that. <laughs> the wars between the MOBAs are huge. Yeah. Like it's Chevy versus Ford, like Dota versus <laughs> League, or apparently now Smite too is like. I don't want to well, get that. That will be my discussion next week. We'll have a whole discussion about <laughs> League of Legends and why I don't. The I, I, yeah, we'll just get into that in another time. Oh great, we're gonna have some MOBA nerd. Talk <laughs> Speaking of things that a lot of people hate, um, but some people love, I guess. Dom, what's your topic? We must be talking about different things because everyone loves Dark Souls. You'd be surprised. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Dark Souls 3 is going to be my topic. Um, came out earlier this week. I picked it up. I've only been able to put in about four or five hours or so. So, I, you know, that's not a ton of time. At, at the end of the day, I'll probably end up putting in 60, 70 before I'm done with this game, right? But after only a couple hours, I think I, I, think I put enough to get an idea of what this game is. Um, and how it compares to the other games in the Souls series. <clears throat> so really quick, I played Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, and Bloodborne. I never did uh, Demon Souls. That's, that's on the to-do list is to get a PS3 one day and go back and play Demon Souls. But anyway, um, Dark Souls 3 so far, I absolutely love it. It's as From someone who... Dark Souls 1 is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Dark Souls 2 was really good, um, but overall definitely disappointing. And I really like Bloodborne as well, but it's just not the same. Um, I mi- like in Bloodborne, I missed the uh, all the stats and all the all the RPG elements that kind of it got stripped down from uh, from Dark Souls. So Dark Souls there weren't 3, enough stats in Bloodborne for you? No, not even close. I mean, Dark Souls is about like your your equip load and like trying to get the right roll speed in every like in your your damage your your R one damage for. Uh, for each left and right weapon and all those like obscure little statistics um, mm. that that even like a single number out of 100 can make a difference in how the game played. Like that stuff is what I love about Dark Souls and that was all missing from Bloodborne. Okay. Um, and then also like the amount of weapons, right? Going into how many different stats there were. Um, the, there was only a couple handful of weapons in Bloodborne. Um, whereas Dark Souls, you know, there's tons of different things. Well, wasn't Bloodborne and... made to be more accessible to more people? That's right. why it's a little bit, yeah. Mm, and it, I wouldn't say accessible. It's still hard as shit, and it'll kick you in the nuts every time well, you play it. The, the difficulty is, yeah, it, it doesn't shy away from the difficulty, but Bloodborne was more accessible. Like It, it didn't have all those intimidating RPG elements. That, I would uh, it was say simpler. it's still a pretty complicated RPG, in my opinion. In the grand scheme of things, yes, but compared yeah. to Dark Souls, it's simpler. Um, I got you. Yeah. So, on to Dark Souls 3. I think it's it's now, like, if I had to rank them in order, my favorite, you know, favorite to least favorite, it's definitely Dark Souls 1, and then Dark Souls 3 um, is going to beat out Bloodborne for me, followed by um, Dark Souls 2, which was kind of 
it had the gameplay, but it, it you know it had lots of problems. That's a topic for a different day, though. So so far, Dark Souls Three is it's extremely difficult, as expected. Um, from the music to the menus to how the game plays, it's it's obviously much slower than uh, than Bloodborne. And I'm glad. Um, I was I was worried that they were going to have things. You know, the action would be way sped up. You'd be rolling all over the place and flying around and dodging like you do in Bloodborne, and that's not the case here. It's probably still a little bit quicker than the original Dark Souls, but it still has that slow, you know, monotonous feel to it. Where like if you roll, you know, if you make one mistake, like you're not fast enough to just roll out of the way. Yeah. Like you would have been in Bloodborne, right? Like each move, you have to think out much more thoughtfully before you do something than in Bloodborne, where you could zip back really quick with the B button, right? Um, other than that... Um, Circle button. Holy shit. Do not betray your country. Oh, man. B button. Yep, you're oh, right, B button. Man. Do not betray your country, man. <laughs> so that's it. No, I'm glad you bring it up. So I play on PC. Um, so the uh, the performance has been great for me. Frame rate's much better than what people probably experience on console. Again, another topic for another day. We can get into that sometime. But... <laughs> That being said, I use a 360 controller on PC because it's just easier. Um, so for me, it was the B button. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so it, the performance is great. Everything's smooth. It's nice. Um, they have this really cool Resident Evil thing going on with some of the enemies. Um, and Jared, you and I were talking about this earlier. So the first boss you face halfway through the fight, all of a sudden, the humanoid-esque boss just transforms and has this alien octopus arm i don't even know how to describe it just bursts out of its head you know it's one of those things if you remember the any of the enemies from like resident evil 4 and 5 it was you know your your average like zombie villager guy then all of a sudden after a few hits he just sprouts into something crazier yeah so that that's happening a lot in dark souls 3 you'll you'll come up on a mob of just regular low-level enemies, or seemingly low-level enemies, and all of a sudden, one will just transform into this huge thing, and then two hits, you're dead. <laughs> and it catches you out of nowhere. I mean, all the it, all the same tropes of Dark Souls are in this game. Like, you round a corner, and a, a boulder could roll on you, or one of these enemies could surprise you. Your, uh, your crossbow enemies are always, you know, up on a ledge from the... You know, from the battlefield, from the bridge where you're fighting six other guys, and you also have to dodge this fire dart from this jerk up on this, you know, ledge above you. It's all there. Um, it feels great. It's. It, this is the first time in a while where, when I'm not playing Dark Souls three or when I'm not playing a video game, that, that, that's all I want to be doing. Right now, I want to close my computer, tell you guys, see you later, and go play Dark Souls three. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So far, I'm loving this game. Um, Probably after a couple of weeks when I've put in, you know, the 60, 70 hours that I anticipate this is going to take me, unless something, you know, drastic changes or something goes wrong. I, I can't imagine I'm not going to, I'm not going to like this game or have anything other thoughts than this, but it's great. So, so you can probably help me out with this, Dom. Uh, since I fell in love with Bloodborne last fall, I've been thinking about going back and playing demon souls dark souls one two and now three would you recommend it to someone who the reason i like bloodborne is because it's so fast because it's got that quick and uh fun combat um am i gonna hate demon and dark souls i mean i'm okay i'm okay with it being hard i've gotten past that i've gotten my keith 
my teeth kicked in, you know, hundreds of times in Bloodborne by this point. So Dark Souls is slow. Right. Yeah. But Am I, think... I going to hate the slow part? I don't think so. I mean, I think the difficulty is the biggest barrier to entry, obviously. But yeah. yep. the, the change in pace, I think, you know, you, you'll, you'll have to get accustomed to it. You know, it's sure. not going to happen right away. And I don't know. Dark Souls 1 is just, it's so good. It's, it's The it's change in good. pace I, isn't drastic enough to justify you not playing it. Yeah. It's like when you. we were talking about in a couple of last episodes, there's these, like hallmarks in gaming that you need to go back and play and a lot of them are classic obviously but as far as like games that are difficult but they're not just difficult for difficult sake i think dark souls is a definite must play if you liked bloodborne i think you'll you'll like dark souls um from what i saw of bloodborne dark souls is obviously bloodborne on crack as far as like just the imagery in that game is gorgeous like some of the stuff that you see in that game obviously the graphics aren't crazy but just some of the stuff that they conjure up in that game as far as, like, the loose storytelling that's not really storytelling is really cool. Yeah, um, I do like that part of Bloodborne, too, how the story's all shrouded in mystery and you have to go on YouTube just to figure out what's going on. Read item descriptions and yeah. random little things. Dark Souls has some of the coolest boss battles in a game that's, that's outside of, like, say. Shadow of the Colossus. Like, those, some of those bosses you fight in that game are so cool and so iconic and so memorable, like... Ugh, that game's so good. It's it, yeah, that's it's. There's nothing else that compares to it, in my opinion. The bosses in Dark Souls One are un- unbelievable. So and even in Bloodborne, they were underwhelming to me. I mean, you got a lot of the same, uh, those same like giant dog type creatures, but some of them were cooler. But as a whole, the bosses in Dark Souls One are they're unbelievable. I I want to like meet some of the guys on the art team and the creation teams that you know that come up with these monsters it's ridiculous the replay building that game is solid too because there's a lot of little things as far as items and stuff go that you might not know about your first playthrough that can make the game different um yeah. like grinding the dragon's <clears throat> tail at the first part of dark souls dom to get the spear the dragon the dragon tail spear okay. or whatever it is let me let me throw something out there okay. um <laughs> and and jordan i'll tell you this when you do play dark souls one if you ever look up any tips, you know, early game things or whatever, everyone is going to tell you to do what Jared's talking about right now, which is get a bow and arrow and shoot 100 arrows at this dragon on the bridge so that you can get this awesome sword really early in the game. It works, and the sword is awesome, but don't do it. It ruins the early game experience because you just get this overpowered weapon. Yeah. yeah. I See, I even need to get back to Bloodborne because I put 100 hours into that game, but I haven't even beat it, and I haven't finished all the Chalice dungeons, so... I gotta go to do that at some point, and then I'll probably start from Demon Souls and just do the whole series through. Um, yeah, so I think that wraps up our our episode seven. Hail Shuhei! Amazing chest ahead, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye.